TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts, Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damian Christoph, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to The Wellness Guys. I'm Lawrence Tam. I'm Damian Christoph. And this is The Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicating bringing wellness to our lives. And today, Damien, it's just me and you. Hey. No Brett. No Brett. Uh, oh, man, where, does, where has he gone? Uh, he I think gone? he's playing cricket. He's playing cricket or watching cricket? <laughs> no, oh one of the two. Quite a, you know, it's, it's, it's Adelaide. It's kind of, it's, you know, it's back in the, it's, we're in the future. He's back in the past. So he just, he's just got that, he's got that timeline, time zone. He's got that sort of way of life. It's kind of cruisy. It's zen. It's, uh, it's, it's a combination it's, of yin and yang. <laughs> cool, well, listen, we got a, a <laughs> we know, it's, I'm pretty excited about this one because, uh, uh, just not too long ago, we were at the Wellness Breakthrough, uh, as most of you are aware. Mm. And at the Wellness Breakthrough, one of the sessions that we actually had in the morning session at 5.30 in the morning, we actually had a yoga session. And um, great? Man, it was awesome. Like was That the- was my first ever yoga session in my entire life, which yeah. is kind of weird, which is really weird. <laughs> I saw that you were trying to keep up with me well, somehow. Given that um, you're a ninja, right? I would have thought you would have done <laughs> yoga heaps, but obviously not. Uh, no, I haven't actually, and uh, I found it amazing. It and was the first time I'd ever heard you squeal, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, I loved it because we wanted to find out more about yoga, and I thought, you know what? We've done this for three and a half years, and we never never had anybody talk about yoga, so we thought, why don't we find the very best? So we have on the call right now Kara Lee Grant. Kara Lee Grant is a publisher, editor, and lead writer for the Yoga Lunchbox, an amazing uh, website on yoga. How cool uh, is she's it? An- yeah, she's an author of two books, 40 Days of Yoga and the No More Excuse Guide to Yoga. Dozens of people have used her teaching, developing, and maintaining home yoga practice. I'm looking forward to this wonderful interview. Welcome to the Wellness Guy Show, Carolee. Thank you so much. I'm pleased to be here. I love talking about yoga, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're the best person to bring on to the show for sure. Uh, Carolee, just love, love to, for our listeners, when did you start yoga uh, mm. and uh, how did you get started? I did my first class back in 1995 when um, a guy that I was seeing at the time took me along to a class, which is a little bit of the reverse of what mm. usually happens, yeah. is that you, often the men get taken by their women friends. Um, and I knew when I did that first class that it was going to be something pretty important for me, but for various reasons, didn't get back to it for about another four or five years. And at that time, when I finally made my way back, um, I was having serious back issues, and I really, really needed the yoga. And it, it made an enormous difference to my spine when I started going back. That's pretty cool. So back in 95, and there's been a few years between then and yeah. now, you would have learned a few things, I reckon. And mm. um, But there would be some people listening to this who, like Lawrence, up until maybe last week, may have never, ever heard of or done yoga before. Mm-hmm. What actually is yoga? <sighs> Great question, man. No one ever asked me that. Okay, so <laughs> yoga, we often think it's the physical postures that we're doing on the mat, and that's what most people's idea of yoga is. But really, yoga is a state of being where you are completely in the present moment. And we use the postures as a tool to practice coming into the present moment. So when nice. we get on the mat and we're putting ourselves into these funny shapes, you start to notice things. Like you notice what's going on in your breath. You notice what's going on in your body, and then you start to notice what's going on in your mind. You start to witness your mind and witness your feelings as well. And that all of that witnessing takes you into the now. Yeah, I, I, that's what I actually found 
most profound. It's actually the two aspects. One, the physical challenge of it, but also what was going on in the mind. Um, mm. you know, because the whole practice of, you know, being in that pose, but the chatter, you know, the chatter yeah. of going, can I do this or can I do this? <laughs> I'm like, what am I saying to myself? Like, why? Just let it go and let it, and it's just surrendering to that moment. I thought all of that was actually really amazing. And that whole hour was, uh, fascinating to me. So love to know. Like I know, I don't know much about yoga at all, but there are a lot of different types of yoga. And mm. I think that's where people get confused. How many types of yogas are there? And, um, you know, where, where would someone even start looking, um, to, to find a good practitioner? Mm. I mean, the number of yoga stars or physical yoga stars, because for a start, there's, there's sort of four main paths of yoga. And I'm not even going to go in depth into that mm. because it's, it's a big topic, but, Physical yoga is just one small branch of the practice of yoga. And then within that small branch, there's a whole lot of different styles and they're proliferating. Like I swear they're coming up with new styles every year. You know, you can do stand up paddleboard yoga. You can do really? naked yoga. Yeah, you can yeah. do naked yoga. You can oh, Lawrence loves yoga. naked yoga. <laughs> no, I yeah. think you've been there many times. Uh-huh. Uh, I've seen those Facebook posts. <laughs> yeah. But, it, but in general, even though there's all these different styles, they don't differ from each other a huge amount. You've kind of got your um, Ashtanga yoga and Ashtanga yoga derivatives, which would be like power yoga or vinyasa flow. Mm-hmm. And they tend to be physically far more demanding and um, they flow a lot more. So there's a faster level of movement. Mm-hmm. Um, then you've got your Bikram yoga and your hot yoga and oh, they are in a, they're in a heated room. I love uh, don't tend to be as much flow necessarily. Like you'll do one posture and then you might pause and then you'll do that same posture again. Do you like that one, Cara? Cara do you, do you I like did. That? I did a lot of Bikram yoga when I first got into yoga and yeah. I found it really useful. It, it is, I would say I Bikram it. yoga is a great one for people when they first start. Mm. It is challenging. Like being in that hot room is super challenging, but you get to a point where you just got to surrender to the heat and that's part of the process, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, and then there's styles like restorative yoga, which is you get a whole lot of props and you basically just lie around supported by those props. And restorative is really good when you've got chronic fatigue or any kind of um, you know immune thing going on. But it's good. it's also good when you just need to chill out and take a break. You know, like I did a lot of restorative yoga after I had my um, little boy because it was perfect for my energy levels at the time. Why is it good? Why is it good for chronic fatigue? because. Oh, Things like chronic fatigue have a lot to do with what's going on in the adrenal glands. And, like, I mean, I'm not a doctor, so please don't take what I'm saying at, you know. But my understanding and my experience of working with people is that a lot of us go around and we're constantly in stress situations. So we're in the fight or flight aspect of the nervous system, the fight or flight nervous system. When you practice restorative yoga, it really helps you shift into the rest and digest nervous system. So then your adrenal glands get a break and everything gets a break and you're not pumping yourself full of adrenaline and cortisol and all of those types of things that can have an impact on those um, chronic fatigue syndromes, etc. Mm-hmm. So restorative, it, as it sounds, it helps to restore your body back to balance and back to wellness because most of us just run around all day long, you know, and it's like, oh, you mean I just get to lie here supported by bolsters and cushions? <laughs> Mm. And that can be really, really challenging for a lot of us to actually stop yeah, to and not have to do, to do anything. Yeah. yeah. What do you Imagine mean? I'm not achieving that. something right now? Yeah. I'm not even. I'm not even getting stronger. Mm. Yeah. Are all yogas um, physically challenging, or are the yogas just sort of just relaxing yoga as well? Is mm. there? 
It depends. I mean, some, sometimes you go to a class and it might be called Hatha Yoga. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, just to confuse matters, all physical yoga is actually Hatha Yoga. But Hatha Yoga has come to mean a more gentle, less challenging form of Hatha Yoga. I know, it's mm-hmm. crazy, it's complicated. Um, <laughs> and it also depends on how the yoga is approached too. So the way that the teacher interprets and shares the yoga will have a great deal to do with how physically challenging it is. So if I was a beginner and I was trying to figure out, oh, my God, where do I start? I would have a good look at, you know, the schedule of the studio and sort of ask the teachers, you know, which ones would you recommend? Where should I start as a beginner? And if I don't want to do something that's too physically challenging, do you have a beginner's class? Um, Beginner's class is always great. But I do find Bikram or hot yoga can be a really good place to start as well because it is geared towards beginners, even though it's physically challenging. So... Mm. Mm. Well, I definitely agree with with the teacher. I mean, I mean, I only have one class, so I can only base it on one one session. Syndra was great. Syndra, oh, Syndra was amazing, and but it was also the, you know what she was saying, why you're going through those poses um, mm. that helps you kind of direct the mind um, mm. into what, what you should be, you know, to let go and to to kind of just what to focus on. I think that was really powerful. What was it called, LT? What was the sort of yoga we did? Um, yen yoga. If yen. I, yen. Yen. Yeah. 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 So that you were in posters for a long time, two right? Minutes, two minutes. Two a long three time. minutes. Yeah. yeah. A yeah. long time. <laughs> it was hard work. It was yeah. really hard. But hard because you'd feel these stretches that felt like um, tendons were going to tear. Like it was just that kind of feeling. And, mm. uh, you, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing with yin is it gets into the fascia more because ah. you, fascia takes time. Okay. Mm. To, to release and let go, and it takes longer than your usual sort of minute. So when you're doing yin, it's not just your muscles. It's also the joints and the fascia that's being worked with. And ideally, nothing is tearing. <laughs> you never want to yeah. tear anything in yoga. But you're right, sometimes the sensations that arise can be really intense. The, the, yeah, I, I think, uh, maybe I embellished. It's unlike me to embellish, but maybe I <laughs> Well, I, I definitely loved it because it, the, the poses um, that you held for, like it was challenging. And as it, the time went on, as the mind starts to wander, you know, you start to have doubt or, but, you know, her directing us to kind of breathe it through allowed us to kind of get that focus and just mm-hmm. let go and let the body go. And I thought that was amazing. My, I my felt my, definitely felt it like in my body for the next few days but uh, it was just amazing um love to know more about you know your thoughts on this because at the beginning you said you went to yoga loved it and you just knew you had to be drawn back to it after four mm. or five years what made you draw back to yoga yoga um the big thing was my spine like i'd had a spinal fusion when i was 16 and by the time I was 25, I had sciatic pain going down the other leg and my right leg, my foot was half numb. I was walking with a limp. I went back to the doctors. They, they took x-rays, et cetera, and said, oh, you're up, you know, your disc above um, is starting to deteriorate. You'll probably need another operation. And at that point, I was like, you know what? I don't think you guys really know what you're talking about because obviously the first operation did not work, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I resolved then and there that I would take full responsibility for my own health and well-being. And I just knew that yoga would be a big part of that. So I went back to yoga and I don't know how long it took, but I mean, I was in chronic daily pain. I was in agony, but after it might've been three months, I can't remember now, but you know, after a reasonably short time of practicing yoga on a regular basis, that daily pain was gone. And eventually probably took about seven years. Eventually the um, numbness in my foot came back completely. So I'd no longer have a numb foot at all. And I have no, the sensation all came back. Yeah. Yeah. Sensation all came back. Yeah. Um, and I don't have sciatic pain anymore. Occasionally my spine 
I kind of feel it or it tweaks. It's not like I'm magically healed and, you know, 100% perfect, but it's more that I'm able to function with no pain and I also know exactly how to approach it if it does flare up at all. So I can manage it on a day-to-day basis with ease. That's, uh, that's fantastic. Well, you may know, or you may not know, Carly, that both Lawrence and I, and also Brett, we're all chiropractors. So for us ah. to hear that, that's fabulous because, you know, we, we do see people with um, disc injuries and, you know, after mm. they've had spinal surgery and they've had injuries mm-hmm. or whatever. And, you know, most people do really well. And every now and then there's people that don't do very well and they need extra. But I think that everybody could benefit from yoga. It seems to me that everybody would do well from doing yoga. Mm, Absolutely. Is that right? Could we just blanket statement that and everyone should do yoga? I think we could. And if we allow for the fact that not all yoga is physical, because there is is like karma yoga, which is the yoga of action in the world. And and under that blanket, cleaning toilets can be yoga because it's all in how you approach it. (laughs) (laughs) Believe it or not. Okay. I'll, I'll just believe it. Yeah, <laughs> Carly. I, I mean, I'd love to dive into the uh, the mental side of things because you know yes. you 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 know I've experienced it even just from the one session. You kind of mentioned it about you know diving deep into the psyche, and um, mm-hmm. from what I've read about you, and, and also through some of your articles that you read, I uh, saw so you written. You're really insightful about you know recognizing you know um, yourself, you know how you play out, what you're fitting in, you know the mm-hmm. ego and all that stuff. Did that come from yoga and that practice of just being in that space to allow you to think about your thinking? I like it to think about my thinking. Um, If I track back into my 20s, I was doing quite a lot of consciousness expanding drugs, a lot of recreational drug use. And I was curious about how I worked, I guess, then. So when I was, you know, smoking weed or taking mushrooms or acid or whatever, I was watching my internal processes. Unfortunately, when you're also doing meditation and yoga, it's not a good mix. And I ended up literally blowing my brains out and had two episodes of psychosis when I was 29 and ended up in the psych ward. So that was the real beginning of getting super curious about my psyche, like what is going on? Because when I came out of the psych ward, of course, I was like, well, I don't want that to happen again. Mm. So I knew that I obviously had to stop using the drugs and focus more on the yoga and meditation, but really witness my habitual mental and emotional responses to life. And so that was what I began to do so that I wouldn't ever get to that extreme of going into psychosis again, which I haven't. Like It, it worked, the, the process that I um, undertook with the yoga and the meditation. That's so good to hear that um, you're able to pull yourself out of that because so many people feel that and they feel that they've got to stay in that state. You know, I, I'm sure mm-hmm. that having you know, used some form of drug in your life, that you've seen people fall by the wayside, but you've obviously used... Um, I don't know, whether it be the power of yoga or the power of yourself or maybe just your own motivation or something like that that's pulled you out of it. And that's a really that's mm. a great story because there'll be people listening to this right now that are also, you know, or have used drugs in the past and mm. probably need to know that they can still experience unbelievable things without having to oh use drugs. Oh, my God. That's, that's the big thing, right? So I always recognized when I was taking the drugs that the states of being that I was attaining I knew that I could get to those states of being without the drugs. Mm. And it took a long, you know, it took a while to be able to cultivate that. But now with, with yoga and with meditation and 
when I go out dancing, because I still go out dancing until like two in the morning sometimes. Wow, I, like Brett, Brett does that. Brett does yeah, that too. <laughs> just, just as high as I would ever be on MDMA, but I'm completely sober. And people come up to me sometimes like, oh my God, what do you want? And I'm like, <laughs> I do yoga. <laughs> <laughs> because you can naturally attain those states of being, especially once you start to clear out the inner workings of your psyche in terms of letting go of old emotions and letting go of old patterns of, of being, etc., and becoming more and more clear as a person mm-hmm. becomes much easier to be in a state of grounded bliss on a daily basis. Mm. Now, it, it's, that's interesting about sort of getting to those states um, naturally, you know, like you have mm. that ability and obviously it takes training, it takes practice and preparation for you to kind of get to those states. Is it more about trying to get there or is it more about releasing and letting go mm. and um, letting the chatter go you know how yeah. how does someone how does a thought what can you if you can explain i know it's very difficult to do this but the thought process of actually what's actually happening when you go into those states well what i observed is when i used to go to dance parties etc for a lot of people taking mdma or ecstasy was permission to dance and permission to let go and surrender and as a result of letting go and surrendering to the dance and to the music, they would experience these heightened states and mistakenly attribute them to the ecstasy. In actuality, what is going on, if you can take yourself into that same state of letting go and surrender and becoming one with the music, you will experience that same state. It wasn't actually the ecstasy that was bringing it on. It was the fact that you were releasing and letting go and, and dancing in such a way with the music, you see. So, I mean, I can get in my kitchen. If I turn the music on and just, like, go wild, there it is. It's like, bang, you're in that place. So I think for a lot of us, when we're taking drugs, it's like a crutch or, or a shortcut that takes us somewhere, and we think it's the drug. But in reality, it's how we are responding to the drug that's taking us there. Wow. Uh, that's... Um that could open a can of worms. You know, if we if we drilled into that one, that's a whole other podcast. Oh man, we could spend hours talking about that. <laughs> wow, far out. Well, a good yeah. friend of ours, of mine, Kylie Robertson, actually introduced me to you, and I'm grateful that she did because we would have had this opportunity to speak with you, and it's, so far it's been fantastic. So I'm wanting to know um, what else is there about yoga that people need to know. Like, is there myths about yoga? Mm-hmm. You know, I remember as a Catholic boy growing up. Um, that it was, we weren't encouraged to do things that we might lose control of our own consciousness because we might let the devil in or something like that, you know. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm being yeah. facetious, you know. But there, there's some people out there that might think that yoga is, you know, spiritual and it's brainwashing, blah, blah, blah. They might think those. Do you come across that sort of stuff? It, it does happen sometimes. Like, yeah. um, for example, if I'm looking for somewhere to teach yoga, mm-hmm. I have tried before to use a Salvation Army hall, but they, they don't rent their halls to, to yoga classes. So it, because it is, of that? Yeah. Wow. I mean, maybe that was just that one. Maybe it's not a blanket rule. Um, now, I've, I've considered this because I've heard this before about when you practice yoga, you're creating space for the devil to come in. Yes. And the way that I perceive that is yoga itself is experiential, which means there is no dogma and there is nothing to believe. In fact, you're encouraged to believe nothing except what you experience. So it's really handing the power back to you so that you can try and see what happens when I breathe in that way? What happens when I move my body in that way? What happens if I direct my thoughts in that way? So you become your own authority and your own power. And of course, that can be quite threatening to an external authority because then you really start to question everything and you start to doubt things. So when they say, you know, you're opening your mind and the devil comes in, I always think that they're really referring to doubt and questioning as being the devil. You know, you would be asking those questions if it it wasn't for that. Um, So 
yoga itself is not religious at all, yet it also does spring from the Hindu culture, which of course is quite religious, and it's it's really mixed in with that. So that's, yeah, sometimes it can be difficult to separate out those things because some of the myths of Hindu culture inform the yoga. Um, and I'll give you a really quick example. So Hanumanasana is the splits, that's the posture, yep. and it's named after Hanuman, who's the monkey god. And at one point in one particular myth, when Hanuman is rescuing a woman, he leaps from the tip of India to Sri Lanka. And that leap that he makes is a big leap of faith, and it's characterized by the splits, you right. see. Mm. So that, that myth, which is really, when I look at those myths of gods and goddesses, they're speaking to archetypes within us, they're speaking to aspects of our psyche, and they're giving us information about how to work with our psyche. So these are sort of the deep levels and layers that you can get into in the yoga practice. But that leap from India to Sri Lanka, when you think of someone leaping, it looks like the splits, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. And then you think of what it takes to take that leap. It takes a lot of strength, but also a lot of trust. And if you're lowering yourself into the splits, you have to be able to to let go, to surrender, and trust that you won't be ripped apart. <laughs> that's a great. Wow. Particularly if you're leaping from India to Sri Lanka. Absolutely. I mean, that's a huge. That's a huge leap, man. <laughs> Don't attempt it unless you're a god. More uh, yeah. note to self. <laughs> Carolee, your uh, your newest book with the No More Excuses Guide to Yoga. What you know? Mm. What are some of the excuses that mo- mm. most people kind of come to you and say, "No, I can't do yoga because I'm not flexible enough." Mm. That's got to be the number one excuse I hear from people. I can't do yoga because I'm not flexible enough. And I'm always like, you know what? That's like telling me that you're too dirty to have a shower. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that doesn't right? work. Uh. No, I know. And see, and because when I started yoga, I was so inflexible. Like I couldn't even touch my knees, let alone my toes. Right. You know, so that excuse holds absolutely no water with me. Come when someone right says I'm too inflexible to do yoga, what they're really saying is I'm afraid of feeling uncomfortable in a room full of people who can do things that I can't do. Mm. You know, and I understand that and I have empathy for that. And yet at the same time, it's, it's like, okay, I know you're not flexible and you don't need to be flexible. Yoga will help you become flexible. But what you need to do is walk toward the discomfort, walk towards that anxiety and, and find a way to come into a class that you feel okay with, you know. And if that means dragging along someone who's already going to yoga, like find a friend, then yeah. do that. But find a way to get past your discomfort, to get past your fear. Because nobody, nobody ever says, oh, my God, I so wish I hadn't started yoga. Mm. That is an interesting thing you just mentioned there because it is quite daunting like to think oh about God. starting up for yoga because you know when you say yoga the the first thing you see are images of you know beautiful women stretched out mm-hmm. and you know men doing these amazing poses and you're expecting like day one I have to go and do that and it's mm-hmm. very very hard for someone um, who may not be fit or uh, just want to try it, but then being in in that environment can be scary yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I'd be intimidated. I look at those pictures and I'm still intimidated, you know? I'm like, oh my God, you know, I'm teaching yoga. I can't do half that stuff. Am I, you know, should I be teaching? And it brings up doubt in me at times. And so I, yeah, I really understand the person on the street. And um, I mean, I think it's part of the, the yoga industry. It's our responsibility to start using images that are more accessible and that show a broader variety of people and broader demographics of people practicing yoga because that will make people feel a lot more encouraged to come in and give it a go. If they see someone who looks like them, who's maybe only as bendy as them, but they see that person 
you can tell when someone's really present, even though they're not doing a super bendy posture. They've just got that that look of contentment and like they're fully ripe in that moment. You know, and those are the kind of images I'd like to see representing yoga rather than the flashy ones all the time. I mean, they're inspiring, they're aspirational, you know, and some of them are really beautiful, but they're not the whole picture. So for people who look at it and go, oh, I can't do yoga, that's not me, I really would want them to understand that, you know what, it starts it starts with the breath. You know, it yeah. starts with just coming into intimacy with yourself and with your breath. That's what it's all about, really. You know, when you said that, Carly, I, I, uh, I was thinking to myself that there's so many beautiful photos on Instagram and Facebook of, you know, beautiful people doing yoga. But people who are not in shape or perhaps very much out of shape doing yoga, there must be more of those people doing yoga. And mm. it would be a beautiful thing to see some of those people actually photographed and put it onto Instagram and saying, you know, look at me, I can do it. Or, yeah. you know, it's, yoga is for everybody. You know, those Absolutely. sorts of things because that I find inspirational um, and not so much aspirational, but I find that inspirational actually seeing the average everyday person getting out there and getting on the mat. Mm. Absolutely, I agree. And there's a the Yoga Body Image Coalition in the States is doing some work around that, um, trying to bring out different images and encouraging people of all body shapes and sizes, etc., to photograph themselves even though they don't think they're perfect and to start putting those images up there as well. Love it. That's nice. Now, Carolee, you talk about a lot of different things. Obviously, yoga is one of your passions, mm-hmm. um, which is great. And that's, you know, yoga has obviously helped you develop into a woman who um, has become very influential and very, um, I suppose, confident in knowing what you know and speaking about what you know and helping people be guided in a way that's, I suppose, a bit more present, but you talk about the power of living an authentic life. That's one of the topics that you talk about, mm. um, deliberately designing habits and um, how to live your yoga and rock your life, right? There's yeah. All these, there's all these <laughs> amazing things that you talk about. Is it, you know, how did you get to the point where you thought, okay, well, I know enough about this. I'm going to go and take it to the world and speak about it. Mm. Basically, I've lived it. Like I've lived that journey of trying to figure out what is an authentic life and how do I live authentically and what does that even mean? And what I discovered, like when I began teaching yoga, like when I first started teaching, I, I wasn't certified and I didn't intend to be a teacher, but literally the teacher didn't show up and I turned, there's only two other people in the room, and I turned to them and said, um, do you want me to just take you through what I know from my home practice? And they were like, sure. And so I just shared what I knew, what I'd lived, and that has informed my teaching and my speaking ever since because I realized that that's, what, that's all we can ever do is to share what we know, you know, and I've learned how to live my yoga and, you know, I'm rocking my life and people want to know about that. So I'm like, well, I can share what's worked for me and you can take what you like and leave the rest and see if it works for you, you see. Mm. Yeah, and the same thing with the habits. Like, I I mean, I, I used um, that methodology to ingrain a habit of practicing yoga daily and then I've used it. Like right now, I'm on a 40-day, 5.30 a.m. challenge. So I'm getting up every single wow. morning. 5.30 a.m. no matter what, even when I dance to 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Good yes. That's great. So I know how to make these things happen in my life, and then I can share them with other people. Oh, in your other book, uh, 40 Days of Yoga, you also talk about bringing yoga into your home life and home practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some of the tips before we – we've got uh, probably about three minutes left. Okay. Um, you know, where would you – what's the first tips for people who want to now maybe listening to you go, you know what, I should try yoga. Um, mm-hmm. Where should they start? Where, what should they first do or where, where should they kind of get started with this? 
So if someone wants to try yoga, I would do a little bit of research and ask. You, you, you're bound to have friends who practice yoga. It's a given in society nowadays. Talk to them. Find out who their favorite teachers are, who their studios are, and see if they will take you along to a class. That's your best entrance to the yoga world is to find a friend. Um, and I go in depth into that in the No More Excuses Guide to Yoga. There's a lot of information in there about finding studios, finding classes, finding friends who do yoga. Um, if you're at the stage where you're ready to start practicing yoga at home, and I always say, man, start practicing yoga at home after your first yoga class because that's, you know, that's the moment to start. So, Lawrence, you've done yoga now. You can start practicing at home. And the big thing to realize is you don't need to do like 60 minutes or 90 minutes of a practice. You just need to take maybe five or six or even seven minutes to breathe with awareness and as you breathe with an awareness, to just feel into your body. So to notice how you're standing on your feet, for example. And maybe to interlace your hands behind your back and just release your shoulders. Maybe to bring your chin down towards your sternum and then all the way up towards the sky. And see how that all feels as you breathe with awareness. And if you feel into your body like that with breath and awareness for seven minutes, you've just done yoga. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. It's simple. It's so simple. Do it every single day, and I swear your life will change in unexpected ways. Wow. Mm. That easy. Well, it's not easy. It's simple. It's simple. It's not easy. That's why I had to write a whole book, 40 Days of Yoga, so that I can help people (laughs) with the process of sticking to it, right? Because the mind just throws up the obstacles as to why you're not going to practice today. Mm. Well, that's what I love about it. It's not. It's just. Uh, it's a physical challenge, but also uh, it trains the mind uh, for, for for life. And uh, I think that's uh, that's that's the the appeal of yoga uh, to me at this stage. And uh, yeah, or you know, it's just amazing stuff. So, Carly, thank you so much yeah, for your time, your expertise, and uh, also you know, to inspiring people to to get into yoga. My pleasure. Uh, well, guys, make sure you check out uh, her two books. It's uh, 40 Days of Yoga and also the second book, the new release, is called The No More Excuses Guide to Yoga. You can also find her website. Uh, it's an amazing website called The Yoga Lunchbox. It's at theyogalunchbox.co.nz. All these links will be on our uh, the Wellness Couch website on this particular page. But also, she's also a um, she also written many articles on The Elephant Journal as well. Um, guys, I hope you enjoyed this particular episode and uh, make sure you go join us on Facebook. Keep the conversation going going on the ones guys and the wellness couch like us there while you're there share this podcast with your friends your families and other strangers you think need a wellness update subscribe to us on itunes while you're there give us a rating and leave a comment on itunes until next week begin creating wellness to your lives lead by example let's change the world's health together join us next week on the wellness guy show this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.